We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. I hope you guys enjoyed that first part. And I'm going to play the second part for you guys. The second part, we're going to get a little bit more into how we met. And there is a really hard conversation I, got, I want you guys to listen to about just the direction of the leather community and, you know, it growing into newer spaces. I think it's an important conversation that me and my dad and daddy have. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, I'm going to just play it like a regular episode with the intro so here we go if you find me touchable, extend your hand for a grab. Welcome to Hard Talks with Chris and Friends, where topics that are hard or will make you hard are talked about. Where things get real and unfiltered. Here is your host, Christopher Velasquez. Um, we're talking about aftercare and talking about having conversations between hookups. Let's talk about how we met. <laughs> you and me met maybe, I want to say, I might be wrong, but two or three years ago, we met on Grindr, like all gays do, because that's how gay people make friends. <laughs> Half of the time, Grindr hookups. I remember I worked at Zara, and that was like towards Hollywood. That was in the Hollywood area. And you and me kind of connected we decided we would meet up um and i remember having conversation and we've actually talked about this recently but i remember us having a conversation about open relationships and this was before before i had i mean i've i already had like two experiences with open relationships but i was still in that stage where i was like open relationships are not for me i don't like um that's not something i could see myself doing long term and anybody who wants to be in an open relationship is a heathen. How the tables have turned, because now the, I see open relationships in a whole different light. <laughs> and I'm in the opposite side of that spectrum. But that was kind of our first interaction. Yeah, I think that was, yeah. I mean, I, I can recall some other things, but nonetheless. <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go with this version of the story. So anyway... <laughs> This is, we'll this, is the version, this. this is the version of the story I'm telling to my parents, okay? <laughs> okay, there you go. So anyway, yeah, I think we did meet something like that. And I, re- I do remember that conversation in particular. I remember we were talking about uh, basically like relationship dynamics and things like that. And to your point, I mean, it sounds like you've evolved a little bit. Oh, not trying to drag me with the. It looks like you've evolved a little bit. <laughs> you've, re- you've evolved a little bit, right, since then? I mean, yeah, but yeah, at yeah. the same time, I think I think that's a, it's a spectrum, like, a, you know, on, you know, on whether somebody can be open yeah. or polyamorous or um, or clo- uh, monogamous or whatever. I mean, I think one of the things we have to realize is that there are quite a few people that truly believe in being monogamous and actually stick to being yeah. monog- monogamous, right? So let's let's not make you know otherize that group now, right? <laughs> no, and, and, and <laughs> but, like, a- but 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 yeah. I think as time goes on, people start to realize that there are other types of relationships because society programs society programs all of us to be with one other person. You know, obviously at first it's, well, you have to be with a woman if you're a boy, right? But then eventually, you know, society 
has built all of these what do you call it the heteronormative norms. standards yeah. standards in you so you think that there's only one way to be yeah. and as we get older and exposed to other things i mean i think luckily you know a lot of people you know i notice how many 20 year olds are you know fully into the idea of being poly and all these things now and i'm like wow they're so lucky like yeah. i didn't even understand what that was until yeah. like five years ago yeah. you know so it's kind of relatively new to me but what it is, is that I think you start to realize that you no longer have to depend on one person to give you everything. And no longer do you have to be everything to one person. That is something that like took me a while to know. Um, I'm not going to say like, like I said, I'm still part of the, like, I'm still in the spectrum. I, I'm not a hundred percent behind open relationships. And I've obviously seen some of the bad sides of open relationships, but I've seen some of the really beautiful sides of it. And I've met some, I've met one amazing person because of an open relationship. So I have seen both sides and I'm more open to them and, and I'm more willing to them. I'm more willing to be in them. Um, and, but I still love a good monogamous relationship and, and I'm on both sides, but I do remember having that conversation and I do remember how our paths for sure <laughs> separated. And then we followed each other on Instagram. And that was basically how our friendship was for the longest. Um, that time I tried to top you and it didn't work because we weren't compatible in that way. And then obviously having that conversation about open relationships and things. I remember it didn't work either way <laughs> so i think we were like okay cool we will see each other from far away yeah i mean you know you kind of talked about you know seeing beautiful examples of open relationships and then you've seen bad ones i think the only thing i knew were bad ones yeah. until um more recently and you know not to always say like you know i learned everything fantastic from the leather scene because obviously you can learn things in other places but it was kind of going out and seeing all of these couples that were clearly open and it's like you go to a party and you say hi you know you talk to someone and, and then they say oh yeah and then my husband's over there in the corner getting railed out right now <laughs> and you're just like wow what like you're totally comfortable with that and yeah. you start seeing like all of these examples of people that truly you could tell like truly love each other but at the same time they're so open and trusting and you know with their partners and it was through seeing that over and over and over again that I started to say to myself that maybe there's something that's not wrong with this yeah. and it made me like look at it a little a little bit differently I mean I have um you know I guess in the last couple of years in particular I experimented more and more with having multiple partners um you know I mean I have two partners now um, I guess I've had two partners actually a, a couple of switches in there but I have <laughs> had, two, had two partners for you know for a couple of years now so um so yeah, I think it's it, it's really good because like I said, you, you're you able to complete, it's almost like you're able to complete yourself yeah. with having and multiple, because they serve different areas. But we're going to move on because we're going to talk about us and so we could get into the whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was our first interaction. Um, and then it took maybe a year because I think, I think we knew each other and, and that whole it, first interaction happened. And I think... I went over one other time after that and we talked about, so this was, um, well, this is the entertaining part was I actually talked to you about getting into leather and running for a leather title 
before I even signed up to run for Mr. CSW. And I think you were very supportive. You told me, you know, you should do your research. I remember having um, a conversation about that with you right before I signed up for CSW. And you said, you know, if this is something you're you're ready for, do it. I'm trying to remember that. Um, was that also, I'm trying to remember, did you also want to run for fault line at one point? That was the conversation when I just didn't know if CSW was where I should run. And I think I already knew that you were someone that was in the leather community and that won a title, which we'll talk about right now. Um, And I remember going to you for kind of that guidance that time. Yeah, I do remember that. I mean, I think that's the biggest, I think at that time when you weren't completely sure, I mean, I think that was the biggest thing. It's like, well, you seemed like you wanted it, but you didn't quite know how to get it at that point. And I think the biggest thing I think that people don't realize is that, you know, running for something like that, it's really all about just being yourself and being your full self and not like this version of yourself that you think people want to see. Like (laughs) you have to actually dig deep and throw out the, the, you know, throw out the Chris that you really are. (laughs) So that's, yeah. And I, and I, and I remember having the conversation with you because it stood out so much for me and it's been so true in so many ways. And it's funny because we already kind of touched about it where you did tell me, you know, because I did tell you, I'm like, I'm this guy who's a little bit more flamboyant and this is what I think leather is. And leather is usually these guys that are hyper-masculine and that present hyper-masculine. And is that how I want to present? And I remember you, like you said right now, if you're going to do this, you need to be yourself and you need to be who you are. And I think that too, with us talking about, do I want to run for CSW? Do I want to run for Fotline? I think that was kind of where you were like, you need to run for what feels authentic to you and what feels real to you and what feels like you could be yourself in. Because in the end of the day, that's what's important. And I knew coming to you because you did win SoCal, I knew I was talking to the right person. Tell us a little bit about that experience, you running for Mr. SoCal. Yeah, um, interestingly enough, I first of all, if, if three years ago, if you had told me that I would be some kind of pageant girl now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, wait, wait. Now that you brought that up, I remember in this conversation that you don't remember, but I do remember. Um, I remember me calling it a pageant and you being very upset because I called it a pageant and you and you said it's not a pageant at all (laughs) it's a competition and I left feeling like wait I don't get it it's a pageant (laughs) yeah I I I actually do remember the conversation (laughs) (laughs) no I think I think (laughs) you know it's actually kind of interesting yeah usually when it when it when it's somebody that's that's still learning i try to like instill that we call it a contest so you don't run around calling it a pageant that's the reason why i always say that which is funny because now i still i now i just call it a pageant regardless (laughs) yeah because i mean because yeah that actually is what it is i mean if you go back to the history of leather titles i mean basically it was a bunch of leather queens sitting in a bar saying hey you know you're miss you acting like mr so-and-so and And, you know you looking like miss so-and-so and then one day you know the folks at the gold gold coast bar in chicago they like came up with an actual title actually kind of modeled it after pageants you know like miss america you know and um and of course then that turned into you know the international leather contest and now every pretty much every leather bar in in, in america has a leather title almost at this point but um but yeah and and the history of titles obviously um you know uh, they're important particularly during the AIDS crisis you know you you know when you 
when you had a title, you kind of became the face of the community and you, and you became someone that really helped, you know, organize, you know, you know, fun, uh, fundraising, you know, things like that, you know, you became kind of important because you now had a platform to help. And that's uh, kind of how uh, they exist today. Um, in that sense that, you know, you win a title and you should use that space to do something, do something good for someone. Um, but to, I think to your question, you know, how did I kind of get into it? What was the experience? Um, you know, for me, like being like a kind of that heteronormative gay that kind of just sat in the background my whole life, I never really stood out in any way. You know, I'd never been on stage before. I'd never really did any public speaking. I was just a regular person. And when I started going to contests before I actually ran for one and I, and I kind of realized that it looked kind of fun and you kind of see like some of the community work that people get involved in. And, you know, something inside me said, you know what, you should do this. You know, you should really try to do something that's outside of something you've ever done before. And um, so the experience for me was like, one, you're learning a lot about yourself because you're starting to realize you know, as you answer questions and things like that, like, I have to answer this, like, as me, like, I'm not making up something. So you start really coming into yourself. And also, at the same time, I think, for me, like, it became a public speaking thing, like, I hadn't public spoke, like, hardly ever. But now I'm all of a sudden talking to a whole bar. And then like, at the, the LA contest, you're talking to an entire auditorium of people, you know what I mean? And if you're scared of that stuff, it's really like, well, maybe that wasn't so scary after you're done, right? <laughs> It's daunting until it happens. Yeah, and you learn something about yourself. Like, even with the interviews, like, you know, it's just for the listeners. Yeah, it's like a real pageant, right? Like, you have, like, an interview thing that happens in the background, and you have some stage stuff. With the interviews, like, you learn. It's almost like if you actually pay attention and learn what they're telling you, you know, especially when you get your feedback and stuff, you actually kind of, like, learn how to carry that skill outside of that room. Because I used to be really long-winded with interview questions, and you start kind of realizing, wait, I go on a job interview, and they ask me a question I should only answer the question and shut the fuck up <laughs> which, is, which is 100% true I remember um, and we'll get into this a little bit later since I did my pageant when I, I when I do have to answer questions at job interviews I'm like in my head the first thing is I like, keep it short keep it short keep it keep it to the point make sure you hit those points you know what points you want to hit just make sure you hit them and then don't say more so that is something that I that I've carried away from the pageant world yeah I just brought I brought that up because I thought that was an actual life skill that you can get from <laughs> There's other life skills you get from from winning a title too. Yeah, like walking around in a jock strap. You know, like, like walking. That's a skill. I mean, you have to learn how to wave. You got to learn how to squat while you're in that jock strap. But you know, there are other things you learn too, like how to put together an event. You learn how to fundraise. Like how do you like start putting together a fundraiser? Like how do you network with? people within the community to bring to an event like there's other things that you also learn that are actually really important because after that year's over now it's like well shit now i know how to do this this and that <laughs> you know and <laughs> title holders are new to a lot of that, a lot of that stuff some people have always just been good at doing those things but you know for some of us it was our first experience so i, I kind of carry a lot of that stuff with me now so back to our story so this is how i saw it right i was a thought line Jacob came, um, he was CSW. So he, he, you know, he was telling us to sign up. That was the whole thing. He Facebooked me. And that's when I went and had the conversation with you because I was like, I need to turn in this application by Saturday if I am going to do it, if I'm not. <laughs> and then maybe 
Two or three days later, after turning in my application, they let us know that we're going to have two Den Daddies. Now, our first Den Daddy who was going to help us was Susia. And I knew him because I call him Susia because that's how I know him. Well, you know, he carries the name well. <laughs> <laughs> which his name is? I haven't seen him in so long. I missed that guy. Um, which is Louise, Mr. Faultline Leather 2018. And I know him from Reach LA. And that's how him and me were close. I was so excited. And then the second name I see of the second Den Daddy is Eric. I was like excited because I was like someone that I know, um, someone that I that I I didn't at that point didn't know you as well as maybe I I, I knew Susie, but I knew you and I, and I was like, okay, cool. I don't I'm not gonna feel alone with it in this situation. Susia for sure was a little more harder on me because <laughs> he did know me. And I remember um going to Susia and then this was when Pose was on TV and it was the same time that Electra did the whole thing with Poppy where she told him if you don't win at the ball don't come back to this house. <laughs> I remember sitting at Susie's office at Reach because I, I like walked in one day and I remember that happening and laughing and was like, this was like a couple days before the, the competition. But the day before I was at your house and I was, we were going over the speeches. You were going to let me borrow some formals because I didn't have a lot of the stuff. And you were really, you were very, very helpful. And you were so much willing to help me. Couldn't find nothing in your closet to fit me because she's a little thickums and my lower body is so much thicker than yours that we couldn't we couldn't so we, the both of us were like stressing over this luckily i was able to use miguel's formal i was ready for the competition that sunday that's my side of the story how was your how did you see all of this kind of unfold which i think we you and me have not had this conversation so this is gonna be very interesting because i don't think my side i don't think we've talked about this whole thing so this is interesting because i do want to how you saw all of it you know chris i mean it's kind of interesting that you asked that question because I mean, I think that you have um, evolved and grown um, quite a bit over the last couple of years. But even going back to that particular contest, I mean, I remember from the time you first asked about running for a contest, which I think was maybe like the August before mm-hmm. through that January when you actually ran, I could even tell then that, you know, this guy's kind of serious. Like he, you know, seems like he's starting to understand what it means and he knows what, you know, he knows what to do with his title like i know you had this uh you know your platform is part of bridging the weho leather the weho silver lake gap i mean obviously hollywood's (laughs) in between that geographically right so (laughs) that long trip down santa monica boulevard really right but it's funny because we think it's funny but what's called but there is that gap is a very big gap it's a lot longer than the three miles that it actually is yeah But no, you've grown quite a bit. And one of the things that I remember, because yeah, you finished second. And I remember that moment that you finished second. And you kind of had that look on your face, like, you know, it's the same look that anyone would have when they finish second. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I finished second at, at LA Leather too. So I kind of know <laughs> what that feels like. It, but, it, but, but I remember, um, you know, telling you afterwards that, you know what, though, people have seen you, people will know you and, and, from this point forward, you will kind of be judged by your behavior after this because people will say, okay, he either disappears 
or he sticks around and he hangs out and he wants to grow. And that's what you did. You started coming out a lot more. You started wearing leather pieces. Mm -hmm. Whenever you could accumulate a new piece, you would wear it more. You started volunteering to help for things. And actually, I feel like I remembered it was almost immediately after your contest. I said, well, you know, I'm going to have a contest and I need a judge's boy. So it was like literally like four, four or five months before, yeah. before that. And I was like, Chris, be the judge's boy. You will learn a lot yeah. from being a judge's boy. And for people listening, the judge's boy is basically the person that basically is like the admin for the judges for the contest. So like, you know, a lot of the paper stuff kind of supporting just a lot of the judges stuff. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. And it's funny that you brought that up because, and I, and I brought it up with Brad because we were talking about the experience of like winning and the experiences of like getting to second place or losing but i like to say second place instead of losing but those two experiences are so different and i was telling him that i don't remember i remember a lot but i don't remember when they said that i was second place and he was first place all i remember was and i think it's funny because we have this like like dad son kind of relationship and at that moment i like remember it like not, not now looking back like that cemented it because i was like a kid that needed like that guidance at that moment and i remember the first person like i looked at even before i registered what was happening around I looked at you and all you said, because I think you saw it in my face, all you said was smile. And that's legit from that moment. All I remember is the words in the background, you looking at you and you saying smile, looking back forward and smiling. And then it like it like registered. Like, and then it's like it all of that happened in like slow motion, but I, and then it kind of like hit, but then it, it went back to like, like I disconnected from my body. And I think that what you saw there was that, like it was my face. It's a weird feeling. And it's funny, Brandon said the same thing. He doesn't remember everything that happened around him. He just kind of remembers it happening around it. And I was like, it's so funny that we both had that experiences, even though we were in two different sites. <laughs> yeah. I remember, um, you know, not to, not to, well, to go into a little, I guess, a little bit of just transparency like even with with uh, with la leather that the year before um i knew and i shouldn't say that i know i knew but i knew i was in the top two yeah. like i just i knew that i was in the top. this was there, there was there were eight or nine of us i can't remember um i i just knew i was in the top two and i knew and i knew who the other person was going to be in the top two absolutely mm -hmm. and i remember they have this other award in la leather called the brotherhood award mm -hmm. and um, it's kind of like miscongeniality so to speak <laughs> and <laughs> not fan favorite <laughs> yeah and I remember when they announced the Brotherhood Award, I was like, okay, cool. I was like, maybe that means I might have won. I don't know. <laughs> like... <laughs> But when they called my name for second, I mean, I was I was super happy because I also knew who was going to win yeah. at that point. And um, I remember grabbing Elliot when he won and hugging him for so long. There's actually a good photo of that that was captured. And I just remember thinking in my mind, I would be the best first runner up I could ever be to, to Elliot. Best fucking winner ever. I remember because the next day was my birthday, actually. You know, it was because it's supposed to be your birthday and like then you're like, then you were finished second and we have to go to off sunset that day and all of that. And Elliot like actually brought me a cake. Like it was his day, but he was kind of like, well, it's your birthday. So we're going to get you a cake. And we got everyone gathered around and then they sung happy birthday. And then they pushed my face into the cake while I was outside in the freaking festival with no <laughs> towel or nothing to wipe off with. Like I was like, what the fuck like i got frosting all over me but anyway yeah it, 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 finishing second and how you and how you handle yourself afterwards really fucking matters yeah. and you did a really good job chris i mean like i said you you sought to learn and you have made yourself visible and i think it's um pretty obvious that um you know yeah and and, and like i said i for sure owe a lot 
thought of that too. Because I even remember the next morning you texted me. They had the the little brunch that they have for like the winner and and everybody who was part of the contest. And and you texted me in the morning and you're like, you're coming, right? And then I was like, and you're like, you're coming. (laughs) And that was kind of the end of that. And I was like, okay. And I got all ready. Obviously didn't feel like going, didn't. And you were like, hey, just show up right you have to you know you have to be there you you have to show your face and and that's just the correct way to do and and you have done that so many times i mean i stopped going for like a month i think you were like well that's what i said you know you're both like this very sweet guy but in the same time like what you know when to be like like my pop and you were like you're done like we're gonna go to pup this was when we went on, oh yeah and it, and it was my first was my first even time going to a to a pup contest too and you were like look you straight up just told me you're like hey now you've gone through it you need to learn so much more now you know what you need to work on if you go to these competitions and you keep seeing people run and you you know what you messed up in and because you know both of you were able to give me feedback on you know what were the things that didn't work out for me and you're like you know speeches was one of the things and being on stage was one of the things so keep going to these competitions and see how people are answering the question and see how people are doing this and how people are doing that and thanks to you i went back yeah and and, and just for the people listening yeah there wasn't a whole lot you needed to work on if i remember i mean it was like really close yeah i mean i mean not to i mean but i and i then i said this when we, that's why i laughed when when you were like not to you know not to be that person but you knew you were top two <laughs> and i think you know i you know when when you're doing good and you know when you're not doing good and i know and looking back like i know what questions i didn't answer correctly oh my god do you do you remember like one question in particular that you're like damn have had i answered that maybe i would have won the whole thing um there was the question about owning my own leather and i think that the way i went through it i was very self-conscious that none of the leather was mine the one i was wearing for my interview besides my harness and that was something that they were going to see later in the day and i think i put too much focus on how this is not my leather instead of talking about the beautiful leather that I do have. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. So I think at least in the interview, that was the one part that I remember clearly being like, after being like, you're an idiot. Like they don't want to know about how this is not yours or or if it's yours or not. Like they don't, they're just seeing it on you. So it doesn't really matter. Talk about the one piece you're in love with. And it's the only piece at that moment I had. And it was my first piece of leather. And it was why I fell in love with leather. So it was like, later I beat myself up because I was like, you had the correct answer. You just didn't put it out there for the judges to see. Yeah. And then on stage, like some of my jokes didn't land. You didn't make, you didn't, you didn't make RuPaul laugh. You didn't make Jeffrey <laughs> laugh. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Urban didn't. <laughs> laugh so therefore yeah. <laughs> i mean i love joe and um joe was a very strong competitor he's he you know no shade but he ran a couple times for that title so he knew what he was doing when he was up there so it was my competition yeah. to lose yeah joe's very sweet so you know so yeah but we're already having these conversations about me running again for a title you will be going to iml you know now i'm i feel more confident into this running obviously i'm still getting a, a lot of help and learning so much from you starting from now to get ready for that um we don't know when the competitions are gonna be back but when they are back i want to be ready for that and now you're getting ready for iml that if hopefully i do win 
one day I'll be going to too. So yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're gonna do them next year. Like, I guess it's probably 2022, huh? Because I yeah. guess the uh, LA Leather is gonna be March of next year, so they probably won't restart the season again until September of 2022. So, yeah. So you got plenty of time to prepare. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. IML that which has been pushed postponed three times now um so that's going to be in november of this year it actually looks like it might happen god you know hopefully yes so yeah so that's so that's the international letter contest this is the 43rd edition of it usually somewhere between 40 and 75 people who knows how many they're going to be this year because nobody can the world is a mess so we'll see how many people actually get to show up for this one but yeah it'll it'll be a pretty uh interesting experience obviously it's very nerve-wracking it's over three days um (laughs) so Yeah, so it's uh, pretty involved. I know. That's a very long pageant. I mean, that's the drag race of, of pageants, <laughs> of the leather community. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. It's the, what's called, the Olympics of Leather pageant contest slash pageant. Contests. 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 Slash hookup zone, dark room, slash... Shoot, if you're a contestant, I don't know how much dark room time you get at IMO, but yeah, your whole time is being out there waving and talking to people <laughs> and getting dressed because you have to outfit change all the time. Oh yeah, the yeah. Outfit, the outfits. Um, your looks, your looks, your looks, your yeah. gear looks. Yeah, the categories yeah. are. You better walk that runway in <laughs> in the right looks. Um, I, I know. I'm actually I'm actually already in my head thinking, well, shit, what kind of runway walk can I ha- can I do? Because when you do, so they have a section in. In there called pecs and personality this is the portion of the of, of imo where you come out in your kind of sexy wear mm-hmm. not necessarily a jock but it's something really sexy and there is an entrance right because you have a gigantic stage so you have to fill the stage somehow right (laughs) so yeah there's a way that you can walk to make your entrance and then they ask you a funny question and then you go go off but but yeah that's for 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 like two-thirds of the competitors though that's your moment on stage because there's the interview and then there's pecs and personality and then they do the top 20 from there so if you don't make top 20 you're done you're done um so i guess to kind of end the conversation about how um you know you helping me with all of this what because you could have been like my other den daddy and just kind of forgot about me i mean i didn't bring the title and i think lewis um really went through with it <laughs> he said you didn't bring me the title i'm not your mama don't come back i'm kidding i love him and we still keep in touch but you and me have really kept this relationship and you have really became my papa. That's why I do call you papa. What what made you become my actual papa? <laughs> well, you know, you know, after the contest, you know, I saw you out on that corner with no shoes, you know, you looked like you hadn't had a bath in a couple of days. I figured <laughs> this child really needed some guidance. Um, no, but no, in all seriousness, I saw I did see something in you though that was like, you know, Chris really wants to learn and grow. And I think he's serious in what he says. And I think there's something to be said about someone when you feel that they believe actually believe the things that they say and they really want to make an impact on the community um one way or another i mean obviously it's kind of evidenced by the fact that you've created this podcast too um that you met what you said and i it made me more than it makes me more than happy to want to um you know be there for you and help you um on your journey um as much as i can um i know sometimes i'm an absent papa you know (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, I mean, anything that I can ever do to uh, do to help you on this journey, I'm, I'm definitely here for it. Obviously, if you d- 
you know do decide to run it sounds like you have your, your mind made up about running again um i will definitely be there be there for you for that and um yeah you know yeah and 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 to like better explain our relationship because i think we haven't really gotten into that but it's very it's, it, and we have we, we've talked about it in different ways but it is a very mentorship it is um you know you are someone who is helping me through this and you have taken that father figure kind of leather father figure if one would say um and you're for sure going to be doing it well you are on my podcast and we do have those hard conversations that make people uncomfortable sometimes and there is a certain topic that i do want us to talk about before we say goodbyes and that conversation and that's why i said people pinpoint that conversation about how it's an antiquated way to think and for us to talk about a masculine and feminine because we're going to talk about what the face of leather is and not specifically in the contest kind of way because we've seen that we've evolved in what a leather man is and a leather person is um it's it stopped being just a tom finland kind of guy and it's turned into being welcoming toward trans brothers and our nine bi binary siblings and we're just more welcoming to who falls under that and i think for the last couple of years we've we've welcomed more and it's been a more diverse you know, a diverse, there's more people of color, there's, there's more people of color winning contests too. So we are moving forward. But there is a conversation that I've noticed and that you brought up to me, actually you brought to my attention, is the idea that a leather bar should look a certain type of way and that there is a little bit of us pushing back and when i say us i mean you guys <laughs> there's a way there's a little bit of a pushing back of what our spaces should be or what a leather bar is considered and do you want to tell us what happened and then we'll discuss it from there <laughs> uh, i thought you would set this whole thing up and then ask me the question <laughs> well okay so um and and look this is a conversation you guys that me and eric already already had and he kind of sees my point of view and we see each other's point of view but we just wanted to bring it up because i think it is an important conversation you know i don't want anybody to feel like we're coming for them or that point of view speak for everybody because we obviously could only speak for ourselves and what our understandings are but there is the problem that um, a very staple of the community, which fault line is, it, it might be getting a, we don't know if it's going to happen yet or if it's in the process of happening or it is happening, but it seems like it's going to get a new face. Now, the way it was told to me is this place looks like very WeHo. It looks very, very not what a leather bar is supposed to be. And I'm going to, I'm gonna, I, I guess I'll tell my point of view first. When I saw the picture, for me, it, it just looked like a regular patio. It didn't, it wasn't showy or it wasn't extra. And I don't, like I said, since we are breaking all these ideas of what a, a leather person is, for someone to be like, well, this is not what a leather bar should be, sounds very antiquated to say, because what should a leather bar should be? Tell us how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, um, so, to, so, so to provide a little bit of context, I mean, we know that the, the Fault Line Bar has been in this neighborhood, you know, since what, 1994? 
for again oh the year you're born we brought that year up earlier today too and we kind of know leather bars to have a certain element right i mean there's a cruise element there is that seediness there's you know the darker side of a bar um the red lights you know sometimes a saint andrew's cross hopefully a saint andrew's cross <laughs> and uh you know all of that stuff you know corners where guys can you know kind of be a little bit naughty even in places where they're not supposed to be <laughs> so yeah there's there's a certain look that i think um people have grown up with in this ter- in terms of this idea right i mean even myself being relatively new to the leather scene i still i still certainly grew up with images of tom of finland and grew up with images of what an I- the ideal leather bar is right so to me like a place like the eagle la for la standards is you know a true leather bar and of course at bullet you know there's certain there's an there's an aura of the bullet bar that i won't get into on this podcast <laughs> that, that uh that really make it a very um, fun, kinky, very um, type of place where you can truly just let go and be your full sexual. Yeah. I mean, and obviously there's other leather bars throughout the world as well that, you know, would actually make the Eagle LA seem extremely tame. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, you know, I think that, uh, you know, to the point that you're talking about, we have this idea of what bars look like, right? We have an idea of what um, leather is and what leather looks like too. I mean, I guess yeah, as you were kind of talking about antiquated ideas and whatnot, because certainly... I think my view of what leather looks like is probably different than what a lot of the old guard would think that leather looks like. So to the point that we had in our conversation, I kind of, you know, I kind of walked away from it thinking, huh, you know, the fact that you're younger than I am, I mean, I'm, I'm in, I'm approaching my mid forties here. (laughs) So I have like this view that goes back kind of a long way. Right. And even though I might have evolved in some ways, maybe there's other ways where I still need to like, look at things differently. You know, I think when I kind of look at some of the other bars especially like some of the bars like in palm springs like chill bar and like hunters and because they have leather titles right yeah um it kind of made me kind of go back and say huh i mean i guess i mean it's not necessarily what i would think of as a leather bar straight away but at the same time you know leather is evolving right and there are going to be there is going to be a a new generation of leather uh, men siblings women behind us and it's kind of what they want is really what needs to start to exist today because if this new generation you know don't feel comfortable in the typical leather bar because of all of the um, you know masculine ideals and things that it brought with it then you know there might be there might be a door for something else right and i think that's something for me to kind of pick up on because i think that i think your point was well taken in the sense that um you know it is about the younger crowd sometimes right the new generation and i i don't want it to come off as in it's about the younger crowds and what the younger crowds want for me it's about the evolution and if we want leather and i think this is a a quite a, a statement that that we could talk about in any aspect of anything if we want something to last forever it needs to evolve with the time the same way that the leather title holders have evolved with what is now is the same way that the spaces will have to evolve i'm not saying you know all of a sudden make the abbey like how the abbey looks like be a leather place that that's not what i'm saying you know what i'm saying is there are as- <laughs> the abbey the abbey is not even a gay place anymore <laughs> let alone a- anyway <laughs> right but what i'm saying is there is a way for the two worlds to collide without it being necessarily 
you're taking this away from us. Because I think that's a very, and it is a very defensive way, but it also, it's a natural just part of human nature where things are just going to evolve. Now, change is not easy. And I know that there was a backlash when there was trans men winning titles and there was a whole talk about that. And then we got over that. And I'm not saying we got 100% over it, but there's a there's a more understanding that that's okay. I think this is it's a conversation that we will start having, that these leather spaces will have to change with the time, will have to evolve and change. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see that now. Now, one thing I can't imagine, and, and like I said, I don't I don't care what generation you're from. Like I can't imagine the idea of being in a leather bar where that cruising atmosphere is not there, where the no. kind of seediness isn't there. And I think like off the top of my head, when I see this bright, shiny place with like LED lights and all of these things, it's kind of like, is that a place where I'm gonna cruise in? Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like off the top of my head, right? But you know, maybe there's another corner. There's maybe there's a cruising corner. In I'm going to tell you this. There's been a, a, a handful of times where I've gotten a handful of ass or a handful of dick in the middle of a dance floor at the Abbey. <laughs> I'm for sure seeing people get jacked off at the Abbey. And that's the most lit up a place you, you could go to. So I think it's just about us getting comfortable with change, which is not comfortable for anybody, you know, specifically for a for a community that's been so counterculture for so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is true. I mean, obviously i mean the leather culture is kind of a subculture of gay culture it's very similarly to how drag culture is a subculture right and yeah. and we and and we can watch drag race right and we can see how drag has evolved over the last you know 15 years i don't know how long it's been on now what we're on 13 still 13 years i guess uh, <laughs> and yeah i mean obviously i think uh i can see how leather does need to evolve to a sense i mean certainly a lot of the attitudes have to change i mean that's that's one of the things that was kind of splintering the community quite a bit is that you have um, a lot of the older folks and, and not all older folks, but quite a few of the older folks really holding on to what they believe their idea of leather to be in terms of what a leather man is. Um, that has gotten a lot of people into trouble because they will not evolve with the times, right? Um, but yeah, in terms of leather spaces, I, like I said, I can see the the need to evolve with that. But at the same time, I think there's certain elements of leather that still just need to be there. Like, you know, the whole cruising scene, the whole... Because I think one of the things we've kind of talked about too is that we know that leather isn't necessarily what's on your back, it's what's inside. And, mm-hmm. I, and I know that's something that, that we all know, right? Well, a lot of us know, some people don't know, but... but um. <laughs> But with that, you know, is a leather space more about what happens inside, not necessarily what it looks like? Yeah. So we could talk about that, about everything. And I mean, part of why I am so, it's such an important part to me to bring these two different sides of the same community together. And why I I talk about bridging the, the community so much is because in the end of the day, the only thing that that really matters is what's in the inside. We all carry our kinks inside. And some people don't, you know, you and me love to share it and put it outside. You know, we wear our, our leather. We, sh- we, we carry it pr- with pride and outside. Some people carry their kinks in the inside and some people only behind a closed door will, will show you how kinky they are. Like you said, you're surprised how many fisting bottoms are on Grindr. And I bet you most of those fisting bottoms are at WeHo in the Abbey having 
having the best time of their lives until your fist is in them and then they're having even a greater time yeah i, I think that actually um that actually is true I, as i've kind of like learned um a lot of there's a lot of closet fisting bottoms or well, fisty fisting people to begin with um honestly Not the closet fisting bottoms. there's a there's a whole lot of closet fisting bottoms and, and it's interesting because i actually had no idea that there were so many people into it until i changed my grinder profile to, to drop a fist in there and all of a sudden they start coming to yeah. you isn't that the old saying put up a fist and they will flock to you <laughs> I would just say uh, you put up a fist and they will they will sit on it. I know that doesn't rhyme, but that's well. It was a it was a great conversation, and for sure we want to know what you guys think. I know that this is a conversation that um that we will have people on both sides, and we for sure want to hear your side. It was great having you on today you and me could always talk for hours and we for sure have this is going to be a two parts because there's just so much that that i want to touch with you where can they find more of you if they want to you can find more of me on instagram (laughs) (laughs) come on papa (laughs) you can find more of me on instagram um at mr socal leather 2019 um, M-R-S-O-C-A-L-L-E-A-T-H-E-R-2019. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter, but we're not going to tell them what that name is. <laughs> I will um, leave a hint of what it is somewhere in the bio. So if you really are interested in finding out <laughs> where uh, his Twitter is, maybe if you could put two plus two together, you'll find... Um, the little Easter egg I put in. <laughs> An <laughs> Easter egg. That. Well, thank you so much for coming on and um, have a good one, you guys. I hope you guys love this conversation. Leave us some thoughts on fisting. Tell us what you guys think about fisting. If you guys um, have any questions, let me know. Maybe we could do a second part and answer some of these questions about fisting. So remember to like, subscribe, leave a comment. You can follow me on Instagram at Chris Diva and you can follow the pod as Heart talks with chris and i want to give a special thanks to jamison for letting me borrow his song fuckable for the intro and outro